Samuel 17, verse 46. Hallelujah. Let the church say amen. amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. First Samuel 17, 46. This day, say this day. That just sounds good. Say it again. This day. One more time. This day. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. David is speaking to Goliath right now. Not tomorrow, not next month, not next year. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And I will strike you down and remove your head from you. That's one bad boy right there. I'm going to knock you over and cut your head off. Today. And I will give the dead bodies of this army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God at Kingsway Church. Hallelujah. And that and that this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into my hands. Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David. David ran quickly toward the battle line. To meet the Philistine. And David put his hand into his bag and took from it a stone and slung it. And struck the Philistine in his forehead. I want you to just get a picture of your obstacle right now. Just get a good look at it. And the Lord said he struck the Philistine in his forehead and the stone, the stone sank into his forehead. So that he fell into the on his face to the ground. Thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And he struck the Philistine and killed him, but there was no sword in David's hand. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out from its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled away. I want to use as a subject this evening, there is no substitute for victory. Can you say that? There is no substitute for victory. Father, we thank you tonight for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would help me to preach your word tonight. That you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I pray that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation that they might hear the word and receive it with gladness of heart. We ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. General MacArthur in the Second World War wrote a letter to Congress protesting the policy that had been adopted by the United States in warfare 
namely a policy in which there was not a strong desire to win. There was a policy of just getting by, just containing the enemy. Douglas MacArthur wrote to Congress and he said, there was no substitute for victory. He said, there is nothing that can substitute a win, a victory for the nation that he was defending for the United States. And I want to bring to your heart tonight the fact that the enemy will often try to get you to settle just short of victory. The enemy will often try to get you to settle just short of the promise of God. But I want to declare tonight that there is no substitute for victory. That you and I must not settle. We must not stop short of the victory that God has for us. The Bible tells us that the father of David, Jesse, sent him to take food to his brothers. David in this uh, picture is a beautiful type of Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ was sent by God to bring food to the world. Just as David was sent to take food to his brothers, so God sent his son to bring manna to a hungry world. For this cause, Jesus said, I am the bread that has come down out of heaven. He was speaking of himself as the bread of life, the one that had come to nourish the hunger of man. Wouldn't you know it that when David arrives on the battlefield, he is running an errand for his father. But there comes out to taunt the nation of Israel, the giant of the Philistines. His name was Goliath. Scholars tell us that he measured a good nine and a half feet tall. He was an extraordinary man, a man of great power and strength. His armor weighed, just his armor weighed a little more than 175 pounds. And the tip of his spear weighed more than 25 pounds. So that whatever he thrust that spear at would be most likely at an end. He was an extraordinary reminder to Israel that they were up against a great enemy. That this enemy of the Philistines had been left behind because of the failure to conquer by the, by the days of Joshua. And they had been unwilling to root out the Philistines. And so now they had become a terrorizing force to the nation of Israel. The scripture tells us that 80 times they, this giant came out to taunt and to mock the nation that God had put his hand upon. Forty days he did this, twice a day. Every morning and every night, without fail, that giant would walk out onto the scene of battle and taunt the army of the living God. And just like the enemy in your day and mine, we have an enemy who is persistent in mocking us, don't we? We have an enemy that is constantly willing and, and able and, and trying with all of his might to bring a disturbance to our peace, to rob us of our joy. This is what he had done to Israel without firing a single arrow, without, uh, without raising a single, uh, a single sword. He had caused Israel to fall into the terror of his power and of his might. 
But just at the moment when David is delivering the goods that his father had sent him, Goliath comes out to meet and to talk the people of Israel. And I want you to know that this was no mere mistake. David was on an errand for his father, but really he was on an errand from God. And out to meet the nation of Israel comes this giant precisely at the moment when David is standing there. It is no coincidence that at times your opposition arrives at just the wrong time. Never felt that way? The opposition arrives at just the moment when you can least afford it. At just the moment when you have the least time to deal with it. But I want you to know, as we said last week, that that opposition should not be seen as opposition, but rather as God's opportunity, as God's preparation to work in your life. Your opposition is actually an, uh, an opportunity from God. David sale al campo de la batalla y precisamente cuando él llega ahí, se, le, eh, se, se encuentra con este gigante que está amenazando al pueblo de Dios. Este tiempo no, no fue por equivocación, sino por la hechura de Dios. Dios hizo a ese, ese gigante y a David llegar al mismo tiempo, al mismo momento. Y aunque parecía algo que era mal apropiado para ese momento, era una oportunidad para David. If you and I would stop seeing our opposition as something to cry about, and start seeing it as an opportunity for God to show off in our life, we would have a very different approach to life and to trouble when it comes our way. David comes out there, and this giant is taunting the army of the living God. This is now the 80th taunt. How many taunts will you put up with? 80 veces este, este uh, gigante amenazó al pueblo del Señor dos veces al día por 40 días y yo le pregunto hasta cuándo usted va a oír la amenaza del enemigo how long will you allow him to taunt you how long will you allow him to take your peace how long will you allow him to rob you of your joy I'm here today to tell you that there is no substitute for victory you cannot accept the way things are. You cannot accept that the enemy is just going to rule in certain areas of your life or in certain areas of your family. If he has convinced you of that, I'm here today to tell you that he is a liar and the father of lies. He doesn't have to rule or reign in any area of your life. David begins to ask a question and he starts to have a conversation with the men around and he says, you know, what's going on here? They say, well, this giant has been taunting us and he has been calling for a warrior to come and challenge him. And David asked the question that I mentioned to you this morning. He says, what's going to happen to the guy that kills this giant? He already had it in his mind that he was going to destroy this giant. And he begins to have a conversation about, uh, about greatness. A conversation about the great things that would happen to the man that made up his mind to confront this giant and to bring him to the ground. Can I ask you a question tonight? Who are you having conversations with? Who's feeding your faith or your doubt? Your conversations are making or breaking your life. Are you listening, church? 
the people that you decide to talk to and listen to are going to make or break your faith. They're going to make or break your life. If you decide to hang out with a group of people who are negative, discouraged, despondent, never can see the light at the end of the tunnel, they never can get blessed, they always feel like the world is against them, then that is going to start defining your life. It's going to start defining your day. It's going to start defining your week. But if you get around some people that say the Lord can, God is able, the kind of people that have vision, the kind of people that have purpose, the kind of people that say, hey, God can do something great around here. That's the kind of conversation that's going to build up your faith, that's going to encourage your spirit. That's why it's important to be in a church where, where you are encouraged to believe God, where you are encouraged to stand on the word of God, where you are told it's time to, to dream big for God, that it's time to set, to set your sight on a great thing that God wants to do in your day and in your generation. The conversations that you have are determining the outcome of your life. And so I want to challenge you. If you are one of those negative people, stop hanging out with me, all right? If you are one of those people that just want to drag everything down, you know, there's people that bring joy in the room when they walk in, and there's people that bring joy in the room when they walk out. The moment they leave, you just smile. Oh, I'm so glad they are gone. I'm so glad that's over. But you know, when you get around some people that know what God can do, some people that have seen God work, some people that have seen the sick healed and have seen... The, the, the God provide in the midst of lack. Some people that have seen the power of God in their life. Friend, you start talking to them and before long you'll be talking like them. And before long you'll be thinking like them. And before long you'll be praying like them. And you will begin to be like David and see what God can do in your life. David got around the right people. But then his old brother came over. And his brother, his brother heard David talking and he he was the negative side, the one I'm telling you about. And Eliab came over to David and he said, What what are you doing here? I know, he said, I know the the, the kind of boy you are, David. You're just looking for trouble. You basically just need to leave well enough alone. Listen, in verse 28, it says, Eliab, his oldest brother. Can I just tell you that sometimes your own family is your worth conversation? Mm -hmm. I said something right there. Sometimes your own family is your worst conversation. And it may not even be your family talking, but it's your history talking. We ain't never done nothing. We ain't never accomplished anything. Nobody in our house has ever owned anything. Nobody in our family tree has ever finished college. Nobody in, the, in our family tree has ever lived past 50. And that can start tearing you down. And here comes old Eliab. And he, he thinks that just because David's his brother, that he's entitled to weigh in on this situation. But I want to just let you know that just because somebody is your family member doesn't entitle them to drag you down. 
So you got to put on some some rubber and uh, and some uh, and some protective uh, uh, uniforms and say, look, it's just going to bounce right off of me. Whatever you say, I'm not going to retain it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to I'm not going to listen to it. You are wrong. And and just let them talk if they want. But you just put your put your headphones on and listen to gospel music or something. All right. Don't don't give the enemy the opportunity to come in and get into your head. Has the devil ever gotten into your head? You'll be having a great day, and the devil will remind you about 25 years ago when your daddy said that you were a loser, and all day long that thing is in your head. And here comes, oh, his brother, verse 28. Why have you come down here? He's questioning his purpose. And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? He's questioning his judgment. I know your insolence, listen now, and the wickedness of your heart. He's calling David wicked. And David, all David did was ask a question. All David did was say, how do we get out of this mess? How do we get out of this trouble? How do we get out of this crisis? And for that, he has been called wicked. Let's just make up our mind, church, that it doesn't matter what anybody calls us. They called Jesus wicked, and he was the son of God. They called him wicked because he wanted to do something about the problem. This is the very, the very thing I always talk about, that little lobster tank. You know, they say lobsters can never get out of the tank because when one of them finally reaches out, the others pull him down. Where are you going? You're not going to make an escape. You're going you're to get right down here with us. El hermano de David viene y le dice, ¿Qué haces aquí? Yo conozco que tu corazón uh, tiene, tiene un deseo uh, y, 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 y es para gloriarte a ti mismo. Y comienza a poner en, en, en David los obstáculos que a, a veces nuestra familia y las cosas a nuestro alrededor comienzan a contradecir el propósito de Dios en nuestra vida. You might hear it if you're a new believer. The enemy will come and say, what are you doing at church? You went to where on Sunday? Kingsway Church. You went where? I went to church. You went what? Like to church, church, not to a funeral. No, I went to church. It wasn't a wedding. No, I went to church. What are you doing at church? Well, I'm trying to change my life. I'm trying to get things together. Well, we'll see how long that lasts. We'll see if it's for real. Give it a couple of weeks, you'll be back in the bar with us. Sometimes you got to bite off those lobsters. And David tells his brother, he says, what did I do? Don't, isn't there a cause? Is there not a cause for me to do this, for me to ask this question? Is there not a giant standing in front of us that is taunting the very God of heaven? And as David begins to carry on this conversation, the Bible says that somebody overheard it and went and told King Saul. And they said, hey, there's a young man over here that would like to challenge the, the, the giant Goliath. And so they bring David before Saul. And Saul 
Saul begins to interview David. And we see again in verse 34 and, and, uh, and uh, pardon, verse 32, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. He said to Saul, don't worry about it. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, listen, listen, what did he say? You are not able to go. Say, the devil is a liar. Tell me I can't go. God anointed me. God called me. God set me apart. God filled me with the Holy Ghost. There is no substitute for victory and you cannot tell me that I cannot go. I'll let God be the judge of that. That's what David is thinking. Saul is the king. David is the boy. And yet Saul is the boy and David is the man. You can't go. You can't do it. You can't give in that offering. You can't give what God's put on your heart to give. You can't be a mentor to a new believer. What are you thinking? You hardly got your own dominoes in a row. You're going to be a mentor? You can't do that. You can't lead a small group. What are you thinking? Just sit down in the pew and mind your own business. You can't do that. You can't be in the praise team. You can't live up to that, those standards. You can't be in the choir. You can hardly sing. You can't be a preacher. Don't you know that you have a country accent? Nobody wants to hear a country accent. <laughs> you can't do it. How many of you are like me when somebody tells you you can't, it just makes you can't? Start going like this. Saúl le dice a David, no puedes ir contra este gigante. Y el enemigo viene y nos dice, no puedes. No puedes ser un líder de un grupo de hogar. ¿Qué sabes tú de la Biblia? No puedes ser tú un mentor para un nuevo creyente. Apenas tienes unos, unos años en, en la fe. Usted no puede, pero usted se tiene que determinar que el que decidió quien podía es Dios. Y cuando Él lo llamó, Él lo llamó porque Él quería que usted hiciera algo para Él. The one that made the decision about what David could and could not do had already done it when he poured out the oil upon his life and anointed him to be the king of Israel. Say with me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say it again, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When God gives you a business idea and you say, I've never been in business, you say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When God says, I want you to go and witness to that person, you say, I don't know, they might shut me down. I want you to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When somebody calls you to pray for the sick and pastors nowhere to be found, I want you to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Am I going to have to preach about myself tonight? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me the devil says you can't get out of debt I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me I wish there was a church in here tonight 
What are you talking about writing a book? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You are not able to go against this Philistine, to fight with him. For you are but a youth. And I'm a man, and I'm afraid, so if I can't do it, neither can you. That's Saul right there. You are but a youth, and this giant has been a warrior from his youth. This giant's been out there a long time. He's been killing a lot of people. What makes you think you can go against him? David said, verse 34, let's just read this together. I want you to look at these words because we often hear them. We know the story, but I want you to hear what David says to him. He says to King Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion and a bear say, oh my came and took the lamb from the flock. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. He said, I was was pasturing my father's sheep and all of a sudden, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. And a lion or a bear came and actually stole one of my father's sheep. So I took out my clipboard and said, minus one. You can't win them all. Is that what it says? He says, I went after him. Come on, church. Is there anybody here willing to go after what's been stolen from you? What are you talking about? Lions and tigers and bears. I am going after that thing. I am going after that thing. God gave it to me. God gave it to me. Come on, somebody. God gave it to me. He went, he said, I went after him. After the lion. After a bear. And then he said, and I attacked him. His boy was crazy. Tell your neighbor, David was bad. He didn't just go after him to see where he was going to leave the carcass. He went after him and attacked him. There any lions in your life? Any bears? Dice David, cuando vino el león y el oso contra mí y se robó una de las ovejas de mi padre, yo lo seguí y lo ataqué. I just love this. And then he says, and I rescued the lamb from its mouth. My goodness. Are you here in church? God's calling you to rescue that thing that's been stolen from you before it's dead. I rescued the lamb from his mouth and when he came up against me imagine those big bear paws coming up against David 
That lion coming up against David when he raised up against me. Haven't you heard what the scripture says? When the, when the when enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of God will raise up a standard against you. Doesn't matter what is raised up against you. God has given you the might and the power to bring that thing down in the name of Jesus. When he raised up against me, I love him. Look at what he says. I seized him from his beard and struck him and killed him. And that lion or that bear came up against him. He just grabbed him by the beard and body slammed it. Come on, we're from the same stock as David. I said, we're from the same stock as David. I said, we're from the same stock as David. Hallelujah. Pursue that thing. He said, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. All right, now I'm going to skip forward a little bit. This is very important for us to note. David goes out to the battlefield, and we're going to do a little exegesis, all right? You have some time, you have some time for that? Just a few minutes here. He said, Pastor, what is exegesis? Come to Bethel. Forty-one, verse forty-one. You have your Bibles open. Verso cuarenta y uno. Abra, abra su Biblia por si acaso Dios le habla. Why don't you just keep your Bible open, just in case God speaks? All right. Then the Philistine came on and approached David. And the shield bearer in front of him. Uh, notice this. This Philistine, this giant, nine and a half feet tall. His armor weighed more than 175 pounds. And yet he has a, he has a shield bearer. Now we've got to ask a question right here. Why would, it, why would a giant need someone to go ahead of him? Well, scholars have looked into this and, and uh, they, have, they have concluded that from the studies of gigantism, which is a, a sickness or a disease that affects certain people, it is most likely that Goliath suffered from gigantism. He suffered from a disease that made him grow beyond normal. Perhaps this was a disease that, that was existing in his family. And as a result of that, these, these generally people who suffer from gigantism suffer from poor eyesight. One of the, one of the main deficiencies that the disease causes is the inability to see. I can hardly make you out now. Let me just tell you something. Your enemy might be bigger than you. 
but he can't see everything. And the reason that Goliath needed a, a shield bearer was because he needed somebody in front of him to guide him. You see, all this time, we've been thinking, oh, this giant, he's just so mighty and so powerful. But the fact was that there were some, there were some weaknesses in this giant. And your enemy is not as strong as he seems. Se ha dicho que los que sufren de esta enfermedad de gigantismo, una de las cosas que pierden es su habilidad de ver y este gigante porque no podía ver muy bien entonces necesita a alguien que vaya delante de él it says that the shield bearer was in front of him and then the, the Philistine looked and saw David and he disdained him for he was but a youth and ruddy and he was good looking handsome in appearance what does that have to do with anything He, liked, he disliked him because he looked good. The devil, I can't help that. Come on, somebody. I, I can't help that. I can't help it if I'm beautiful. I can't help it if I'm handsome. Come on, ladies. Come on, guys. The devil will pick the dumbest reason to hate you. Haven't you noticed that? Somebody will hate you because they didn't like your tie. What do I care whether you like my tie? They'll hate you because of the shoes you wear. They'll hate you because of the way you comb your hair, the way you do your makeup. The devil will find the dumbest reasons to hate you. And the last thing you need to do is get down on his level. You, when you just hear that chicken clucking, you just let him cluck. I don't have anything to do with that. Tell the devil, I don't have time to discuss makeup with you. I don't have time to discuss my hairstyle with you. I have come here to deal with some stuff. I have come here to put some things down and raise some things up. I have come here to build and to plant. I don't have time to waste on he said, that she said, that I said, that I think they thought, that what, what must they think? I don't care what anybody thinks as long as me and God are square. That's all that matters. He disliked him because he was young and handsome. The Philistine said to David, am I a dog? As a matter of fact, you are. Now you come to me with a stick. The Philistine cursed David by his gods. Now notice the, 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 blind, the eyesight problem comes into, into focus right here in verse 44. And the Philistine also said to David, come to me. Come over here, boy. Why did he need David to come to him? Couldn't see the guy. Come over here, boy. Why are you running from a devil that can't even see you? What do you mean he can't see me, Pastor? I mean you've been covered by the blood of Jesus. Your sins have been washed away. Your past is forgotten. Why are you worried about a devil that can't even... Come here, boy. 
Ahí está el gigante. Ven para acá, muchacho. ¿Por qué? Porque no lo puede ver. Here's what I want you to learn. When, when you come up against the enemy, keep your distance. Now, here's the deal. Goliath was a mano a mano, hand to hand combat kind of warrior. But David was not a mano a mano, hand 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 combat warrior. David was a slinger. And historians tell us that the slingers of David's day, when they took that sling, that they could go at seven rotations per second. And that whatever they hit was like being hit by a by a medium caliber gun. But see, if you get into hand-to-hand combat, when you're a slinger, you're going to lose. So you got to know who you are. And keep your distance. Because the devil's calling you out. He wants you to get down on his level. He wants you to fight where he's at. You tell him, look, devil, I'm smarter than that. I'm not going to get down in las piedritas, as the old folks used to say, and deal with you like that. I'm going to lean on the Lord. I'm going to go by what God has given me to do. I'm going to do what God has gifted me to do. And there you have that devil taunting him. Come out. Come down here. Because the devil's trying to bring him into his uh, position of advantage. When you get down on the ground, on the level with the devil, you're going to lose. You got to stay in a firm position. Don't ever say, I'm going to get off my cross. Don't ever say that. If you can get off your cross, you're not on it for real. I'm just saying. But why would you get off your cross? That's your position of strength. That's when you're going to get into trouble. El enemigo quiere sacar a David que venga a pelear a su nivel. Usted y yo no nos podemos abajar al nivel del diablo. The enemy uses fear and anxiety and worry and trouble to get us down. And those are his weapons. If you get down on his level, you're going to be afraid and troubled and anxious and worried. Instead, you need to take the high ground and say, I will not fear any evil. If the Lord God is with me, then he will deliver me from this thing. He will bring me out and he will do it in his own strength and his own time. Hold your position. Stay in your position. Keep your proper distance from that giant. Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds. If you can see me, when the devil taunts you, taunt him back. When he reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. When he reminds you of the hell you were, you remind him of the hell he's going to be. When he reminds you of the defeat you came out of, you remind him of the deep defeat he's going to. When he reminds you of the chains you were brought from, you remind him of the chains he's going to be bound in for all eternity. Come on, church. Then David said to the Philistine, verse 45, you come to me with a sword and with a spear, and with a javelin. 27 years ago, my ministry began with that verse. I was about that tall. I was seven, look four, you know, something like that. And that's where my ministry began. You come to me 
with a sword and a spear and a javelin. Seven years old, my dad said you, he, was, he was holding a revival in El Campo. And Friday night, they took him to dinner, and the pastor told him about how awful the deacons were. And then Saturday night, the deacons took him to dinner and told him how awful the pastor was. So by Sunday, he didn't know what to do. We're driving to church. He said, Isaac, you're going to preach today. He was joking, but I wasn't. And I got to church, and I prepared my sermon on this verse. And then dad got up to preach. He said, open your Bibles, whatever passage, I don't remember what it was. And I got up, and I went and pulled on his coattail. I said, Dad, I'm supposed to preach. And he actually gave me the mic. I don't know who is crazier. He said, well, I believe the angel of the Lord is going to speak today. He gave me the mic, and I, I read this text. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And my subject was, Jesus is my giant. I said, What's, what giant is standing in your way? I didn't know anything about the church split, but God knew, the Holy Spirit knew. And before I knew it, the big burly deacon that was dividing the church came running down the center aisle and started howling and crying and repenting before God. And before I knew it, there was an altar call going on and that church came into peace because God had spoken to them. Don't let anybody tell you you can't. He said, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of this army of the Philistines this day to the birds. David said, today we're going to have a victory. We're not going to have a stalemate. We're not going to have a, a treaty to determine which side is yours and which side is mine. We're not going to settle. We're not going to come down and see if we can come to terms of agreement. This day I am going to have a victory from the hand of God. This day I am going to have a victory from the hand of God. Can I get that to go seeping down into your spirit? There is no substitute for victory, Kingsway Church. There is no substitute for victory. For you see, David was just a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who 2,000 years climbed Golgotha. And under his own terms, on that cross... He offered up the death blow to sin and the power of darkness and the devil. And just as David destroyed that giant with a sling and a stone, that giant was lying there with a hole in his head. David ran over to him and took the giant's own sword 
Listen to that. He took the giant's own sword and cut off his head. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus defeated death by death itself. The very thing the devil thinks he's going to use to destroy you, God is going to use to give you victory. The very thing that you thought was going to bring you down, God is going to use to bring you up. The very thing you thought was going to be your end, God is going to use as a doorway to a new beginning. Can you see old David? Start slinging that stone. Because he knew whose he was. And he knew that he had been anointed by God. And that just knocking him out wouldn't do. But that victory was the only option. And that giant came down because God had raised up a young man who dared to take a risk of faith and to believe God. Is there a giant in your way this morning, this evening? This day, the Lord will give you victory. This day, God is saying, I'm going to give you the head of this giant. Bible says that David cut off the head of that giant and he carried it back to Saul. Savage. He walked into Saul's tent. What couldn't I do? What was that about I can't? What was that about I'm not able? God's about to give you a testimony. The kind you're going to walk around about and tell people, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. It wasn't by might. It wasn't by power. It was by the Spirit of God. Look what the Lord has done. I want you to make up in your mind tonight. I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to call in. I'm going to go until I have the victory that God has assigned to me. And because I am able to do all things to Christ who strengthens.